welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, conference weekend's just different, man. It's just different. It's not just football and basketball. It's such a thrill. Even for the programs that aren't going to get the national attention, even for people like me who didn't actually compete in college, I felt so invested. Um, I, this, this past weekend was a reason why I love track. It was so entertaining. It was so exciting. Um, I had like a team to root for um, between the Sixers and Virginia Tech. It was, a, <laughs> it was, it was a great weekend, man. So um, happy to be on the pod and celebrating. Yeah, I there, there's something unique to conference, and maybe that's just because I'm a runner who didn't really make it past conference weekend most years. Um, but it is so fun just being with your team you kind of throw out the times although we did see some incredibly fast times this weekend but you just race and it's just you're trying to score as many points for your team trying to beat your rivals it just is the I feel like the purest distillation of the sport it's just about beating the person next to you on that line and it that like all the the times get thrown out a little bit and it becomes a little bit more like cross country in that aspect where you're just trying to do as well for your team and their, the individual side is so much less. Yeah. But not only that, there's also just, you know, not only is there so much pride going into it, but there's also those instances where it's like, there's, there's implications on the line. There is like, Mm -hmm. you've been racing against people for all these years. You've got some beef and rivalry with some of these guys that you know, you want to take down and you, every, at least every guy that I knew, like when I lined up back in high school, like there was always guys who I wanted to take down and race. Knowing that coaches have contract incentives and bonuses built into their, into their contracts. We got, you know, people's last chances of qualifying for the national championships. Uh, some people's last indoor seasons, some people's last seasons, period. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it, there was a lot on the line. Um, it was an absolute thrill. Um, and kudos to everyone out there on their seasons. If you're not advancing great weekend. Um, and I had a blast. I, I love the, I, I just love the pride that these conferences have. It was great. Absolutely. So uh quick intro. We have, are still at 17 ratings uh, on Apple Podcasts, but we are up to 19 on Spotify. Spotify continues to inch ahead on the uh, podcast platform battle. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a little disappointed. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Apple Podcast users, you've you've really let me down a little bit. And um, Spotify, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think you're just the better entity right now. Uh, I, and I... I hate saying this, and maybe this is not just me trying to to position ourselves for uh, a one hundred million dollar contract from Spotify. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it, it's hard it's hard to look past the what the numbers say. Um, but yeah, rating and review, five stars, comments on Apple Podcasts, five stars on Spotify. Whatever you guys can do, we're trying to rebuild the the channel again after having to flip it. But um, thank you for everyone who has left a, a rating and review. Appreciate it. Ha- how how many uh, ratings on Spotify do we need to have you switch from an Apple guy to a Spotify guy? Oh, that's a dangerous question. <laughs> the, pro- the problem the problem is that when you're on Apple or you're on Spotify, you're just built into, you know, those. You know, here's a free here's a free idea that can make someone tons of money. Build a program that that reads your Apple playlists. Or read your Spotify playlist, and then if you want to make a switch to one or the other, it automatically runs it and does it for you. It's almost like an extension add-on. Just saying. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah, the, the I don't know how that would work, but <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know how that would work, but I just say like I would sign up for it immediately. There you go. All right, so let's dive into the action. We did forget to talk about the Arkansas qualifier men's DMR uh, last week. So we're going to touch on that real quick. There was no women's DMR field, but the men's more than made up for it. Washington running 921, Alabama 922, uh, Oklahoma State also running 922, and then we saw Iowa State and Arkansas round out the NCAA qualifying field with 924s. Uh, I, I think we both came away extremely impressed with Washington and in particular, Brian Fay, 
his uh what was it 355 or 352 oh geez gosh um <laughs> unbelievable time um and, and put washington right near the top of the ncaa picture if Faye does decide to run the dmr I mean, I, I think Notre Dame will still be the favorite as long as Nagus is there, but it, it's hard not to see the Huskies as 1B to Notre Dame's 1A. Yeah, I, I like Washington a lot. I just don't know what they're going to do with that DMR. I think Hauser on the 12 is such a massive yep. and valuable asset there. He's so good. Uh, and Faye, I, I question, you know, does he double back? And if he does, how good is he back on the double? That's a really hard one to figure out. Um but I think like on paper, Washington could absolutely win a national title. Um, but everything does have to go just as well as it did two weekends ago in order for that to happen. Out of, out of the rest of these teams, who do, you, who do you think will be the most impactful at NCAAs? I, I, I mean, it, you look at Alabama, they ran 922 to finish second in this race. But I, I think we're guessing that Kip saying probably won't run. If he does, it'll be coming back after the mile prelims. So that, that might take them out of the picture. But some of these other schools might have enough depth to, to sit one of their t- top few guys and still be really competitive. Yeah, I, I think actually Oklahoma State's probably the dangerous, the most mm-hmm. dangerous team out of this group. They've got uh, Ryan Shoppy, who's been incredible, re- recently ran 357 at the Big 12 Championships, I think. Um, he's been great. Masudi on that 12 leg is just such a perfect distance for him, um, especially being a 1500 guy. I really like that spot. And then Juan Diego Castro, a veteran who has run 148 before, he had a great split. Kind of someone that you can kind of, I guess, rely on, but someone who I'm like, yeah, I, I know that guy's going to bring some firepower to this team. I think I can, I think I can usually expect a 148 from him. Whereas other guys, you think, yeah, they can split 148, but maybe on a good day, and instead they're on 149. Um, Lamb of Alabama had a great 800 leg of his own. But for the most part, I think Oklahoma State's just a team that is built for the DMR. And not only that, all those guys are going to be fresh. Like, that's huge. Yeah, the, the Cowboys were going to be my pick just because they do have that depth. And they, they I like you said, with Castro, I mean, he's a guy who has experience at the NCAA stage. And running a 148 isn't going to be in his, like, lifetime best or season best uh, for a split. It's just going to be another day. Uh, around the track for him it, it, it'll be interesting to see I think what Arkansas decides to do uh, with their final lineup um, they, they do have just so many guys um, quality guys we saw that during the cross-country season this fall and last spring um, that they can cycle in and out of depending on who's fresh and who's who has the best fitness um, I, I'm curious to see what they do I think they could be a strong contender for an all-american finish even if they, they maybe aren't a top three, top five contender. Yeah, I like Quebec and I like uh, Schremel, or is it Schremel? Not sure. Um, I like them on the uh, opposite ends of this relay. I think it's a great group, I, but I think you would agree with me that Kieran Taylor is the guy where you have to wonder, mm-hmm. is he scratching out of the 800? Is he not? You know, what is he? I don't think he does. In fact, I don't think a lot of those guys would scratch out, but that's a really tricky game to play with Taylor. If he does scratch out, then what does he have left for that DMR? I'm sorry, if he does not scratch out, what does he have left for that DMR? Because the 800 to DMR turnaround, certainly doable, but it's not easy. It's not like a, it's not an easy double. Um, so I'd, I'd be curious to see what happens there. Yeah, 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 I definitely agree. All right, anybody else uh, on this DMR that you wanted to highlight real quick? Iowa State can go one of two ways. They're going to have an outstanding national meet or they're just going to really struggle. Uh, They've kind of – some of their guys have been great this season. Others have been underwhelming. Uh, They've just been up and down. And um, I I really only see a boom or bust kind of team uh, for the national meet. I just don't know which version we're going to see. So. I mean, I I feel like we've we've seen that with them uh, on the grass with the boomer bust potential before, so I, I I don't think that's a bad call. Um, all right, do you want to transition uh, into the ACC meet? Oh yes, let's do it. All right, so we're gonna start with your Hokies, uh, Virginia Tech winning both DMRs um, in, in two different ways. Um, the men's side, why don't we start there? Yared Nagoose going down with like what 60 meters 50 meters left in the race 60 70 yeah i would have said 60 
Oh, man. Which was just incredible to see uh, Lopez Segura just run by him. Uh, it, it was at Virginia Tech, right? Because the crowd was, was going was. nuts, um, which was really fun to watch. Um, big upset there. Um, again, just heartbreaking that Virginia Tech isn't going to have a DMR at NCAAs. I know. That was the worst part. And I think this kind of like made up for it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, man, that DMR race had everything that you could ask for. You know, it's Virginia Tech fresh off of like a – you know, a disappointing, barely national qualifying miss. Uh, Notre Dame's like the the big titans of industry. You know, they've got like the best distance runner in the country right now. Um, Bashir Masova Lowe, who recently ran for Virginia Tech, is also on this relay going up <laughs> against his old team. And Virginia Tech's hungry to prove something. And then Notre Dame, they fall on the final turn. And Virginia Tech on their home track goes wild. It was so thrilling. It was so wild. I mean, I'm audibly yelling at my computer watching the replay. Um, it, it was it was wild. Nagus made a really bold decision to go out in 55 seconds for that first 400. I don't I don't know that he needed to do that. And I think that was maybe just like a statement, almost like, oh, I'm going to just drop this field and make this my own race. I don't know what happened there. But he kind of died towards the end. The problem is that I don't know if Lopez Segura would have caught him or not. And that's not me being like, oh, I'm trying to like play both sides. That's me just not knowing if he would have caught him. I don't know. And, and that's kind of the shame. It would have been really fun to see them go head-to-head down that last straightaway. Um, yeah, like you said, it, it, it was really interesting to see Nagus go out that fast. Do you, do you think it was just an adrenaline rush? Do you think it was like a pre-planned thing or, or do you think it was just, he felt, felt so smooth that a 55 felt pretty easy? Yeah, I think that's, that was a, I think it was a mix of the adrenaline and pre-planned thing. I think he very clearly wanted to get out hard and try to pull himself away from the field and make sure no one was going to follow him. But I also think the adrenaline probably gave him a little, you know, extra second or two more than he probably really needed because he just started hurting on that after that first lap. And he got progressively a little more tired every time. And Lopez Segura, to his credit, by the way, really stuck his ground, unafraid to go after and chase him, did not let the gap get too big and slowly reeled him in. But man, that would have been so, so tight at the line. It would have been so tight. So why don't we go to the women's side? And I know we've talked a lot about Emily McKay as, as one of the uh, best distance runners of the year. But boy, I, I mean, the way Lindsay Butler's finished the year, and, and we'll talk about her more in a sec, but splitting 429 on the anchor leg, giving her team the ACC title, I, it, it's hard to, to come away from this weekend and, and not think of Butler as maybe a top three, top five distance woman in the country. Ben, exact same thought. I had the exact same thought after this week, and I thought she has to be one of the five best runners in the country right now. You know, it's crazy. Like, what is it now? It's going to be like Waymond. It's going to be Gregory, probably still Maloney, um, McKay, and then, yeah, probably Butler. And not necessarily in that order. Right. Um, But it's... I mean, she was so impressive, splitting 429 on the anchor. Not only that, but she just split 429 on the anchor and ran from the front for a good portion of that leg and then pulled away from NC State's Kelsey Camille, who you would think the last person you would want to try to out-strengthen and right. outrun in an endurance-heavy race would be Camille, Camille, however you say her last name, you know. It just seems like she would be the last runner you would you would want to do that with. And Butler did not care. She was like, just because I'm an 800-meter runner doesn't mean I can't succeed in strength-based races. Um, and the, she showed that too in the open 800, which we'll, we'll get to. Um, and then Mia Barnett. I mean, that girl was incredible in the 1,200-meter leg. So much poise from the, the girl from Virginia, as I say, freshman from Virginia. And then her teammate, Margot Appleton, who was also a true freshman, had never run faster than 4.45 of the mile this season, split 4.33. Beat Camille. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. There's a runner from Middle Tennessee State this weekend that dropped 16 seconds, but Appleton is up there now with the amount of time drop. 
never run faster than 445, beat Camille. And that's the beauty of these like relays. You see events like this where when you're racing for your team, it, it just brings something different out of everybody. Um, whether it's a positive or a negative, I, I think you see that pressure really change people's results a lot of times. And I think Appleton's a great, res- uh, a great example of that. But yeah, I mean, this was just a thrilling race overall, really fast times. Um, obviously with Virginia Tech taking the win with 1053. I, I, I mean, it, it's hard not to come away impressed with all three of these teams though. And with with that said, though, do you think NC State is going to be competitive in the DMR? What do you think they're going to be looking to do at NCAAs? Oh, that's such a good question. I, I, that's such a difficult team to gauge, especially given what we saw at the Pac-12 with Stanford, Oregon, and Oregon State this mm-hmm. past weekend. Um I, I think I think they can be all Americans. I think they can be like a seventh or eighth place all American. I think that's like a realistic expectation. Um, Samantha Bush is going to be fresh for the DMR. She can run that and then not have to run anything else on day two except for the three thousand meters. Uh, so you have her doing that. Um, Anna Vess is a three or four thirty seven miler. She could be running on a leg if she had a great leg yeah. um, at the ACC championships. She was phenomenal. Um, and, and then I just I just trust that NC State will find whether that's a twelve hundred leg or an eight hundred leg. Um, I don't really think they'll probably want to take too much from you know their three k five k group, um, but they could they certainly could. I mean I don't know is Savannah Shaw even in a national qualifying spot. I don't know if she is, um, but she's probably a woman who I think you know let's let's take a look a look real quick. Let's see if she's in the three thousand meter qualifying position. Um, she's not. And she's what a four thirty nine miler, so um, I think she's probably a perfect fit for that for that relay. And I think that's a fresh relay going into it. And other relays around the NCAA will not have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. They'll be really competitive. All right, let's go on to some of the individual performances we saw at the ACC championships. Let's start with uh, another NC State star, Caitlin Tui, running fifteen forty one to take home the win in the five k. Uh, really strong performance from her, and I feel like this gives her a ton of momentum going into the next few weeks. Yeah, this all we just needed to see was that she was still in shape. That's all we needed to see. I think as long as she was still racing, as long as she was still in shape, that's all we needed to see. Great run, barely qualifies her for the national meet. Um, she's probably she probably has to be the best sixteen seed ever. <laughs> Like, I, I I don't know, am I wrong? Like, I don't know. If, obviously, we can't just think off the top of our head what the 16 right. seeds are throughout the years, but she has to be one of the best 16 seeds I can remember. Certainly probably the most talented. Um, I, yeah. I mean, the, the highest potential, uh, she definitely possesses that. Um, but yeah, great to see her healthy. She'll certainly be a factor in the 5K. It'll be interesting to see how that race gets run at NCAAs. And if it does go out pretty quick, if she's able to hang, but I mean, after this performance, if it does, if it doesn't go out at an insane pace, she's going to be right there in the mix, which will be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think she could be a factor in that race. There's not a ton of race evidence though for her this season. I mean, she's raced once right. since December, and she won that 5K pretty comfortably. So I don't, I really don't know what to expect from Tui. I mean, she could she could set a national record, or she could be dead last. <laughs> I, I really don't know. That's a wide um, range. Yeah, I'm really covering my bases, so that yeah. way I can look back and be like, "Well, see, I told you guys." Like, um, anything. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, anything. So I don't know. Uh, um, all right, Lindsay Butler continuing her strong weekend runs 201 to take home the 800 title, um, NCAA number one time. Am I correct yep. in saying that? Um, yep just put herself right to the forefront of the 800 picture um, that she was already in. But I, I think now you go into NCAAs and it's Maloney and Butler, 1A, 1B. It would be fairly surprising, I think, to see anybody other than those two take home the title. And the way Butler's looked and the way she's been able to beat some very strong competition after uh, this past weekend – I, I really like her chances uh, to bring home her first NCAA title. Yeah, I 
you know, I kind of wanted her to go all in for the DMR and then she runs 201 and I'm like, okay, well, what, like, she, yeah. she can't, she can't <laughs> not run the 800 now. She has to. Um, yeah, everything you just said, I echo. She can contend with Maloney. She could win the title. She's not a lock, but I'd say that anyone outside of Maloney or Butler winning NCAA gold would be um, surprising. So uh, she's just been so dark. Did you watch that women's ACC 800 race? I, I missed it. I, I was I was in Florida, so I, I, I didn't get to see it. Yeah, and honestly, I would be outside rather than watching track <laughs> inside. So um, yeah, uh, in that race, it was Clemson's Andrea Foster went out and I mean, she ran the most aggressive first few laps I have seen in a really long time. And Butler just immediately covered that gap within, you know, almost 300, 400 meters and then completely dominated the field from there. I mean, it just goes to show that she can run any kind of race she wants to and succeed. So I'll be interested to see what kind of maneuvers um, Maloney um, throws down, uh, you know, at the NCAA championships because she took, a, you know, on the other opposite side, she took a little bit more of a conservative approach, still ran fast, but hers was a little bit more tactical and measured this past weekend, whereas Butler was kind of just chasing one runner. So, and, and Maloney has the potential to do either of those things. I, I feel like she could yep. go out really hard, but as you said at SEC, she proves that she can be a little bit more conservative. Um, the last thing at ACC's before we move to SEC, we did see Dylan Jacobs take home uh, the win in the men's 3K over a very strong field, edging out Antonio Lopez-Segura, Ahmed Muhammad, uh, Nathan Henderson. We saw Adrian Wildshut come in sixth in that race. Um, really strong performance, 749, solid time. Um, but Jacobs just continues to be, I mean, it's hard to call a guy who ran 13-14 underrated. But it feels like he hasn't had a ton of the spotlight this year. Yeah, well, that's what happens when Yarn Goose is your teammate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it. Um, I very much get it. But um, weird race from Adrian Wildshoot. Yeah. Did, did you? I mean, it's just such a weird – he went out to the front but then came off the curve and let Jacobs in. And I was like, no, that's the time when you got to hit the gas and run away from the field. Like the pace wasn't – like. That he should, I don't know, like he should have run harder from the gun. And in the time that he really should have, you know, stepped on the gas and, you know, try to run away from the field, that was the time when he let everyone get in front of him. I'm like, I don't think you're much of a kicker. And I don't really know why. I don't know. I think it was better to kind of make that tactical decision now rather than on the national stage. But um, yeah, I thought he maybe, maybe cost himself, you know, potentially a national qualifying time if he ran that a different way. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, all right, let's go to the sec boy. So we, we mentioned an 800 at the sec, but the, the biggest 800 at the sec was run by Brandon Miller, 145, just stamping down his status as a lot, maybe not a lock, but as clear favorite in this event. And bringing some fast times along behind him, uh, John Rivera, 146, Sam Austin, 147. A really strong result uh, for Rivera, who I feel like really puts himself in that All-American discussion with this 146. But but the, the story has to be Miller. We hadn't seen him run something super fast. We knew he was capable, and it seems like he's peaking at the absolutely perfect time. Yeah, just for the record, I want to say that Brandon Miller is a lock. He's one of the biggest locks I've ever seen to potentially. It's hard to say that title. in the eight hundred. Like I, I, I agree that he 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 should be, but it, I always feel hesitant saying that. If he does, if he didn't have national success prior to this, I would be hesitant. But he does, and he That's has a one forty four PR, and he has a what a silver medal I think at the national championships from last spring. I I think I like. Another quite a bit, actually. Um, I I think he's actually in the same lock range as the 2019 Northern Arizona Cross Country Men, wow. um, where where all of us said um, in terms of what his percent chances were That's bad juju. Of losing. Well, and well, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's <laughs> it's a tr- it, it's a it's it's concerning if it happens more than once. All right, so. We'll see what happens, but yeah, I think, I think 
like what percent chance would you give Miller to lose the national title? Uh, 20, 20%. 20? Yeah. Oh, we're giving him like 10%. Because, because you got you got to think about it. He has to run two races. So like, obviously right. it's likely that he gets out of prelims, but if they, I mean, there's, there's two races where something could go wrong. That's a fair point. I actually do, do make a good point about that because the prelims make things very variable, especially with the tactics involved. I'll go as high as 12%, but I'm really not even pushing that much higher. <laughs> I sold you so much that you went up 2%. 2%. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, here's the thing. It's like I just don't see anyone in the NCAA dominating the respective event like Miller does. No, and I think that's fair. I mean, eighty to ninety percent chance of him winning, I, I think, is is definitely in the right the right area. Um, but on the women's side, we we briefly mentioned Shavika Maloney taking home the win in two hundred two. But we also saw Katie Ann McDonald uh, right behind her running the same same two hundred two. Uh, Imogene Barrett running two hundred three. Big result for McDonald, putting herself um, squarely into the NCAA qualifying picture. Um, and, and she's someone, a lot of experience, can run a variety of different ways and be successful. She'll be, I, I mean, she could be the one dark horse to take take down the Maloney or Butler uh, out of everybody else in this field. Yeah, yeah, I, I like McDonald a lot. She knows how to peak in the postseason extremely well, uh, a lot better than some of these other talents. I will say, though, I watched that SEC race, and, I mean, Maloney was just so much better. I mean, Maloney was so much better. So, you know, um, you know, anything can happen on the national stage, and Katie and McDonald's still good enough to kind of succeed in a variety of races. But um, it, it would take something—I don't want to say cataclysmic, um, but it would take something maybe apocalyptic in order for McDonald to to beat Maloney. So, apocalyptic is less than cataclysmic. I know. I know. I found that if you just say synonyms, like people are less like, yeah, I'll, that, that sounds good. Oh, man. All right. Um, elsewhere in the SEC, we saw Lauren Gregory run 859 over uh, to beat Tori Herman, uh, who ran nine flat. A, a, a good run from Tori Herman, who continues to be one of the more underrated uh, stars in the country out of Kentucky. Uh, we also saw Mercy Chenlegat 1543 over Sydney Seymour's 1547 in the 5K. Um, really good run for Seymour Chenlegat. Business as usual, taking home another SEC 5K title. I don't have a whole lot to say here, but I think actually the biggest takeaway of this race was Seymour's 1547 because she is a stud cross country runner, great overall distance talent, awesome veteran. Who, by the way, um, is on the transfer portal. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. And so go ahead. I'm not trying to take away your analysis. I mean, no. I, I was that was what I was gonna bring up the the fact that she's quote unquote a free agent. Um, oh. It is really interesting to see her run fifteen forty seven, and like you said, she's had a lot of success on the grass as well. She's run well at SECs before. She could be one of those X factor transfers going into next fall that we're like we were talking about with NC State where. They brought in a few people that put them over the edge for an NCAA title. I, she has that potential to be that kind of X factor for somebody. She has Wolfpack written all over her. Like she is, she's going to be an NC State runner. She just is. <laughs> like I could just tell, and she's going to be really, really good when she's there. But I have no intel on that. I truly, sincerely have no idea where she's going. But man, like every bit of intuition says it's NC State. Do you think we're big enough or do you think there's enough running media for us to get aggregated uh, off this podcast where someone's like the stride report reports Sydney Seymour to NC state. And then we have to, be, <laughs> oh, we, have to we have to deny it. You know, like I, I feel like Brian Winhorst <laughs> and Zach Lowe get all mad about this when it happens in, and for the NBA, but I, I don't know if we're there yet for uh, collegiate distance running. No, no, I don't think <laughs> yet, but I will say is that we have, had things reported about things that we've reported on things that, and people will take it out of context. I'm like, no, like that's read it. Like it's, that's not what it was. Like you, you know, like some that's, that's just media in general though. But um, 
honestly, I don't know. I feel like at this point we could just start making up stuff, and after a while, enough people would believe us. So, you know. I, yeah, probably. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Big Twelve. Um, we saw the Texas duo of Bizimana and Carroza take home the win uh, in eight hundred and one forty-seven. No surprise there. Uh, on the women's side, though, we saw their Texas teammate Brooke Jaworski win in two hundred three. We saw uh, Galvedite run two hundred three for second, and Johnson third in 204 it it's hard to to have much analysis about the men's race but for Jaworski this is a big win in a very solid time that puts her right in that all-american discussion in my mind so for Jaworski she teams up now with Tobias am I correct in that 800 meters mm-hmm. in order to qualify they're, in fact they're Jaworski and Tobias they're both from Texas have run 203 this season, Tobias with the flat track inversion. They're at number 12 in NCAA 13. Where do you see, what is their ceiling for the national beat? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I I think top six. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't I, say top five. Yeah, I, I think there's, in my mind, there's a pretty solid like top five of Butler, Maloney, Johnson, McDonald, and Rinda probably. And that maybe Hendrick in there as well. So maybe yeah. six. And then there's a little bit of a drop off. I, I think Ke- McKenna Keegan's someone who could push her way in there, but I also like Jaworski to probably be another one that could, could put herself in that discussion as well. Yeah, I, I like top six. I think that's generous. I think more likely it's a six, seven, eight kind of deal mm-hmm. for one of the, one of those duo. Um, I like Cassidy Johnson, Kansas State, third place, ran a great race, uh, established strong veteran. Um, Carroza, let's go back to him. One forty-seven this past weekend. He is entered or could be entered in the eight hundred mile in DMR. He will almost surely qualify for the mile if he wants to off of one scratch. Yeah. What does he run? Does he run the mile 800 double? Does he run the 800 DMR? This is a great question. Texas already has four guys in the national qualifying picture for the 800 if you include Carosa. So does it make more sense for Carosa to go after the mile DMR double? Does he just like, what does he do? Yeah, and we were we were kind of talking about this before we started, where you kind of the marginal gain of having an extra person uh, in a field where you already have two or three guys qualified might not be as high as if you just move into an event maybe that you're not as good as, and but you don't have any other teammates who might edge you out point wise. Um, but I I think he's got to stay in the eight hundred. The mile's so deep, and if you're top six in the country based off of time, which Carroza is, I I really struggle to to see him not running that event that he could be a. I mean, realistically, a top two or three finisher in. Yeah, and and I would agree with everything you just said there. Let let me lay out one more question and kind of smooth things over. So let's okay, let's say he does run the eight hundred. Totally fine. Does he run just the 800? Does he run just the 800 DMR double? Or does he run the mile 800 double? Because here's how this works. Texas has two three, 357 milers in Yasin Abdallah and Cruz Gomez, as well as Cole Lindhorst, who can has proven that he can double back from the 800 in a short period of time and split 147. Or they couldn't have Brendan Hebert in there, who has run 149. They have a DMR that, they, that can be competitive without Corroza. But it would obviously be great if Carrozza was part of that relay. So let's assume Carrozza runs the 800. Does he also run the DMR? Or does Texas say, you know what? We still think we can get points in the DMR without Carrozza. Let's try to maximize our point output and have him do the mile 800 double. Which one yeah. does he do? I, I think he goes all, I think they go all in on the eight. I think they, they do that with Jones, Carrozza, and Busy Mana and just try to get as many points out of the eight. Lindhorst, and like the, you mentioned, yeah, well, yeah, with Lindhorst, I think he's going to be the only one that doubles. Um, I, I, I think those three, they'll just focus on the eight, um, and, and Lindhorst can double. Um, he, he's probably not expected to score points in their mind in the in the eight, open eight, but can really help them in the DMR. 
So you don't think he's Carosa's going to do the mile? I don't. I I I I don't think doing the eight mile is is a realistic thing for. I mean, that's four races in two days. That and and you have to be on the top of your game to make it to the mile uh, final. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that's fine. I'm just curious. I was I I thought about that a lot today, and then I realized it was way too much thinking to actually type out <laughs> in the article. So I was like, let's just do save it for the pod. pod. Yeah. Yeah. Save for the pod. So, um, on the women's side, um, at big 12s in the mile, we saw Taylor Rowe run four thirty three to beat Kaylee Logue four thirty six, and Kaylee McCabe, um, was what four thirty eight, um, in Taylor that race. Yeah. Um, and then in the three K on the men's side, we saw Alex Meyer seven forty eight beating Wesley Kip to seven fifty. Um, interesting performance from Kiptu. Um, he also was second in the 5k losing to Abdallah, um, who ran a really strong race of 1333. Um, it, it's hard for me to be very surprised by the row win. Um, although taking down Kaylee Logue is never a bad race. Um, right. but I, I think the story is, the, the 3K and 5K were kept to lost in both of those performances. Uh, the 5K especially is just a very surprising result. Yeah, and Yassine Abdallah deserves every amount of respect for going out there and winning like he did. But, like, if you're kept to, you gotta be, like, you gotta be better. You gotta win at least one. Like, if you're gonna be a national title contender in either, I mean, he's gotta win one of those. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, I, I it's it feels almost ridiculous to run him off as a non All American, but like if you know it, we're getting I'm, to that I'm, point. I, I I'm struggling to do, and the guy just ran seven forty three like two weekends ago. Like it's it's pretty insane that we're at that point. Being like, is he going to be an All American? I I don't know. I just you know I thought the five k is like such an event that he's basically locked to win, and he does you know he almost finishes third. Um, so it's a little surprising there. I want to go back to the women's races, Taylor Rowe, 433. Um, two questions. One, what's your best event right now? Is it the mile or is it the 3k? I know I knew knew that would be a tough one. Is it the mile or the 3k? And then two, um, why is Dave Smith not entered her in the 5k ever? She's finished second at the cross country national championships and fifth at the cross country national championships. She is, she is everything that she, I, I keep complaining about barely Hernstein not running the 5k <laughs> and i don't know why taylor rose not running the 5k that's an excellent question um i think roe i mean when you look at her spots in the mile and 3k respectively she's ninth in the mile 13th i believe in the 3k but i i, I think she's better in the 3k I, yeah. I think that, I mean, that time that has her qualified, she ran December 3rd. I think she's in much better shape now. And I think she's a contender to win the race in the 3K in a way that I don't know if she quite is in the mile. Um, I think she certainly would mix it up if she does run the mile. But I think the 3K is where her best chance of, of winning an NCAA title is. So, and honestly, like, I never thought about Roe as, like, a title contender. But now I'm kind of like, oh, you know what? Like, that girl ran, what, 8.58, I think it was, yep. back in December. And now she's gotten, you know, significantly better with each attempt that she's gone after in the mile. And I love the mile speed and strength mm-hmm. in a 3K race. It just works out beautifully. So I'm very much with you. I like Roe a lot. Like she's, you want to talk about like sneaky dark horse title contender? She might be one of the best one, like one of the best names out there in the country to pick from. Um, so I hope she was a 5K this spring. I want to put it out there. But other than that, let's call. Yeah, I, I bet she will. I, 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 it, it, I would bet a decent amount of money that she does run a 5K in the spring. I mean, I would have said that about this winter and I would have lost all my money. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's true. Um, all right, let's go to the Big Ten Championships. Um, we saw Bethany Haas run 906 to beat Jenna Magnus. 
Um, we saw Olivia Howell run a very strong 433 to beat Abby Coat Jackson, who's ran 435. Out of these two races, anything stick out to you? I, I mean, Howell just continues her absolute tear of the season. How feels like I don't want to say an all American lock, but man, yeah. she looks she looks really good. Four thirty three is like I could see her finishing top three at the national meet. I, I think she is going to be a major problem. Experience has passed great times, has been peaking this postseason, has taken down numerous top tier names. Um, I just like I also am just a huge fan of the coaching staff at Illinois and Coach Haven and what she's <laughs> doing there. So I, I am. I just I just think there's few. Coaches in the NCAA who can turn around their programs as well as they did. That's why I like Sean Carlson. That's why I like the Garys at Furman. That's why I like uh, Haveman at Illinois. Like these coaches just come in there and you're like, whoa, where did these programs and individuals come from? Um, I, I like them a lot. I think Hal's going to be a problem. And Abby Kudhu Jackson probably ran the most underappreciated 435 yeah. of NCAA history. Yeah, I, I mean, when it when it puts you twenty third on the performance list, it, it's just it's hard to give it the credit that it really deserves. Yeah, she's really good. She's had a really nice season, a really nice year in general since the last year. So, um, another that's another name out there who I, I I wish she was on the national meet, but that's just how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, this this is a crazy year. Uh, men's side, we saw the Wisconsin trio of Hacker Wheeler. And Sharp go one, two, three in the three K with Hacker taking the win in seven fifty six. Uh, we saw Cannon Marshall spring the upset in the eight hundred, running one forty nine for the win. And then we saw Jonathan Davis inch out uh, Ben Veach in a tactical mile. I, I think the the most interesting result, honestly, might have been the mile where we saw Veach be super competitive in a tactical mile, which if either of us would have seen him finish second at the big tens, if you told us that before, before this weekend, I think we both would have expected it to be like a 355, 356 kind of race. Instead, he comes in second and just barely in a 408 kind of race. Yeah. And I mean, that's, Really great news for Indiana's DMR. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but Indiana had Camden Marshall stun the 800-meter field as a freshman and win in a time of 149, which was super impressive. Like, Indiana's DMR looks really good right now. Um, it makes me look increasingly more, you know, not <laughs> not smart. I don't know what the right. I was gonna say more stupid, but I was like, I don't even know if that's grammatically correct. So um, I, that might that might fit the vibe, though. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. Um, yeah, Indiana looks great. D- Davis, though, it's like I think this was a I don't want to say a career, career defining win, but I think it it changes maybe kind of how we view Davis. I think we view Davis as a guy who is can really go out there and run a lot of fast times. Uh, really, you know, take on some big names. But winning tactically is really encouraging. And I didn't know if he would be able to win these kind of races, but he did. And um, I just, I don't think we've really seen a whole lot of national level success from him. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, you know what? This this kind of rounds out his resume in a really unique way that I don't think it had before. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a good point for a guy who's had a lot of stop and starts throughout his career. It's been awesome to just see him put together a very complete indoor season. Yeah, he's really good. Um, So nothing more on the Big Ten, uh, at least nothing more that we've already talked about, but. Let's go to the Pac-12 invite. I I did like that they had this race this, like this year, having the Pac-12 invite where we don't have the Pac-12 indoor championships. Um, coming a week after the MPSF championships. And, and we saw a, a lot of really good races and a lot of really fast times. And to to point to one race that had both was the women's DMR, where we saw Oregon, Oregon State, and Stanford all run 10:57. Oregon inching out the win. But Garrett, does this change the way you look at the women's DMR field at nationals? Not even a little bit. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just like one of these teams are going to be one or two of them. They're going to be all Americans. I don't see them being like top five because I think 
Haymock is going to double. I think uh, Connie Check from Oregon's going to double. Um, like Oregon State's really good, but I, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to like put them in the All American conversation yet. I, I think they're kind of a relatively inexperienced to this level yeah. kind of team, specifically on the track. They're actually pretty good in cross country. Um, and I, I just, I think like the mile is them coming down in distance for both Kaylee Mitchell and Grace Featherston Hall. I, I 1057 is quick and moving, but I, I just don't know if this really alters my perspective on some of these teams. I just think other teams are better suited and some teams won't have to worry about the doubling issues that other, other of these programs will. I, I slightly disagree. I really like Oregon state to be a top five uh, finisher at NCAAs. I, I am a big fan of Grace Featherstone Hawk. And what she did this past weekend, running ten, uh, helping the the team run ten fifty seven, and then coming back and running nine flat in the three k. I agree, she's coming down in distance. She has a four only has a four forty one uh, pr in the mile. But I I think someone like her who will be coming into this DMR fresh, I think that 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 could give Oregon State a much bigger advantage compared to a lot of these other teams. Yeah, yeah, and like I, I feel bad saying that like oh they're not going to be like in the national picture or anything because you know they these teams Oregon's like sixth in the country Oregon State is seventh actually when you take out duplicate relays right. Oregon's actually five Oregon State's seven and Stanford's eight I'm uh, sorry Oregon State is, Oregon is five <laughs> Oregon State is six and Stanford is eight um, it's just some of these other teams where I'm just like yeah I think Washington is better built for the DMR. I think NC state is going to have a lot of like, they're going to have like three sub four forty milers on their relay. They're going to be all fresh for that DMR. BYU is going to put together something somewhat competitive. Even if Wayman doesn't run Kentucky is super underrated. They've got one of the most underrated relays in the country. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I don't know if I see them being a top five or top six threat, probably top five um, that maybe a few other teams do. Yeah, I, I, I think we're shaping up to see a really tight women's DMR race. Um, and I think a lot of those teams have really good chances at being in that top five kind of position. Uh, on the Continuing on the women's side, in the mile, we saw Madison Borman take home the win at 433, Michaela DeGenero, 434, and Rachel McArthur running 435. Uh, Borman's result gets her an NCAA number 10 performance which locks her into uh the national meet degenero also will be at ncaa's coming in at ncaa 14 and rachel MacArthur's right at number 17 for with her 434 time from a few weeks ago i think she'll get in but as you alluded to in your scratch reaction or uh your scratch predictions earlier today it's going to be an interesting game to play on who scratches out of the women's mile. Yeah. I mean, I, I think she'll get in. I just, there's too many opportunities for women to scratch for MacArthur not to get in. In fact, um, I'm fairly confident she will. And I'm fairly confident that Mia Barnett will of Virginia. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And I explain that all in the article, but um, yeah, but I think Mormon, super talented, awesome race. Uh, this race was kind of designed for Colorado to run fast with uh, Olympian Val Constein, uh, Constien, Constein. Um, yeah, I'm not sure either, but, uh, De Janeiro, 434. I think she's going to be a problem. I mean, she was great last spring. I think she ran somewhere along 409. I want to say, I I don't know that for sure off the top of my head, but she was, she's really good. She's a veteran and getting better with each passing season. So, uh, watching out for her. But other than that, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about Colorado. Yep, she was 409 last year and sixth at NCAA. So absolutely DeGero, someone to keep an eye on. Uh in the 3K, we saw Kaylee Mitchell take home the win, 858, um, over Julia Haymock, 859, Grace Featherstone, nine or Featherstone Hot in nine flat. Um, again, really good results for Oregon State. Um, and for Mitchell to take down Haymock, a, a big surprise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mitchell, that's really an interesting result because um, that's like a quick – Haymock ran well. Yeah. Haymac. I think her actual name is Haymac. Yeah, Haymac. But, uh, um, but Mitchell ran well. Like, 8.58 is like no slouch of a time. 
I'd be curious to see how she does in tactical races, but yeah, that's that's solid. I, it's just, you know, Mitchell and Featherston Hall have been really good for a while now, but this is clearly a new level for them this year. And I think it's, I I just don't know. I, I just, I just, just still, still think there are so many unknowns around them. We don't really know what they're going to be like in these fields, especially if it turns tactical. So we'll see what happens. I, I think um, Haymack is, she should be an All-American in this event, but yeah. her priority is in the mile. So we'll, we will see what happens. And then on the men's side, we saw Charles Hicks and Cole Sprout run 743s. And uh, teammate Kai Robinson runs 750. Um, for Sprout and Hicks, though, I, I, I think this kind of came out of nowhere. I, I mean, they've both run well so far this year, but we've talked about how we think that uh, the 3K probably isn't Hicks's best event. Um, I think Sprout, we were super excited to see him run, what was it, 749 earlier in this year. Yep. And for them to drop this much time, a, a huge performance uh, going into NCAAs. Yeah, for Sprout, I'm not that surprised about. 749 early in their season, now has had a few weeks to develop. Ran 1324 for the 5,000 meters at Seattle. So we know Sprout, I think, was probably due for a, a faster performance, maybe in the 745 range. I don't know if I would have said 743. No, yeah. But Sprout, Sprout is is certainly that's it's like borderline within reason. Hicks, however, has just not. I'll just say he hadn't had a great season up until this past weekend. He just wasn't. Um, and I think you and I, even on this podcast, were saying, uh, you know, watch, it's not his season, or yeah, this just isn't his race, or he's still talented. Just wait until he gets to the 10K, or he. You know, I'm surprised he didn't go after the 5K. Yeah. Um, but it's. I don't know. We will see. Can't, I guess, like, you know, we'll see how he does at the national meet. How does he run when the pace suddenly shifts and turnover is needed or it's super aggressive from the gun and then slows and then it's super aggressive again? You know, like, how does he respond to something that's a little less even? I'll be curious to see how he does in that 3K. He's talented enough to be a top-tier All-American, but... I would I would feel a little more confident about him if he was in the five k than I would the three uh, k. I don't know with uh, Abdi Nur and Nico Young in the three uh, k. I I don't know if it's going to be a start and stop affair. I I think it might be pedal to the metal, so it might actually it, work out decently well for him. It might, and that would benefit him a lot. I think you know either five k or three k field is going to benefit him. I actually think the five k is going to be more aggressive than the three k. That's probably but, true. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, like either races on paper going to benefit him so all right why don't we move on to some other results across the conferences that uh struck our fancy um we can start with uh athanas kyoko soloing a 1335 that converts to 1327 he's last man in assuming that brian Fay scratches out of the 5k which is just incredible that 1327 does not automatically guarantee you a spot at NCAAs. I, I think, what was it? 1331 was NCAA number one last year. Uh, two years ago. I two think years ago. Was, that's yeah. right. I, I mean, it's incredible how far we've come in this event. We've talked about the mile a lot, but the 5k has kind of under the radar been just as crazy. Yeah. Whatever year, two or three years ago, whatever year that Tyler day ran 1331, I think it was 2019. Right. Um, and like, here's the craziest part. Kyoko, Still might not get in. Yeah. Like, we don't no know guarantee. if Faye's going to scratch. There's no guarantee that he's going to get in. We don't know if Faye's going to scratch the mile or not in favor of the 5K. Or could he, could he do that? He could. There's certain names. I, I think the 5K is somewhat predictable. And I think as you looked over it, you would kind of agree. Yeah. But Faye is kind of the only guy where I'm like, I, I'm not even sure he's going to scratch the 5K. So we will see. But Kyoko had a great mark. He should be in this field. Like I said with Caitlin Tui, Kyoko, if he gets into this field, would probably be one of the best 16 seeds ever, considering that he ran 13-13 for 5,000 meters last spring and finished third at the NCAA championships that year as well. So might be one of the greatest 16 seeds to ever you know, enter a national meet. And, and nearly won NCAA cross. Like yeah. was giving uh, Connor Mance every a huge run for his money. Um, 
All right, let's run through a few women's results real quick. We saw Emily McKay run 203, uh, Isabel Giesing also with a 203, and then we, you hinted at it earlier, MTSU's Usila Chipkemi running out of nowhere, a 432 in the mile. Um, for McKay, not hugely surprising after a 204, but just another example of what an elite athlete she has been this year. Um, Giesing gets into the NCAA, uh, meet with her two or three and Chip Kemi. I, I don't know if either of us feel confident about what she's going to do at NCAAs, but is at least going to NCAAs, which was unthinkable before this weekend. Yeah. McKay and Geising, I mean, two or threes Geising was kind of due for this performance and McKay, we knew she kind of could do this. So not surprising there. Chip, Chip Kemi, you don't just... <laughs> drop 16 seconds off your mile PR. Now, granted, she had run 418 for 1,500 meters, but that does not at all translate to a 432 mile. It just, she was decent in cross, like she was fine, but like 432 is so beyond out of nowhere. Like I, I, and I'll admit, there was a part of me that looked at the results and goes, oh, well, she just, she stopped early. She stopped a lap too early. (laughs) And, and I, it turns out, nope, she actually ran that time. Uh, so it, it, I, I have zero clue. I've never gone into a national meet on the track and looked at the fields and had such a little idea of what one person would be capable of doing at the national meet than Chip Kemi. I, I have no clue what to expect. Zero. I mean, MTSU does have a good history uh, of bringing uh, men and women to NCAAs. Um, but normally we see it coming. Jacob Chogi, um, Keegan from Keegan Shamati from last year. Um, we we, we can kind of see him coming, but with Chef Kemi, it, this was just totally unexpected. And like you said, I she she's the ultimate wild card going into this women's mile field. Yeah, she is really good. And New Mexico's Amelia Mazadani runs. Altitude converted 1541 for 5,000 meters, NCAA number 17. Um, Unbelievably, with that time, and despite getting NCAA number 17, I'm not convinced that she's going to make the national meet. I don't know who's going to scratch from that 5,000 meter field. I mean, who do you see? I I really don't see anybody. I, I mean, maybe Gregory, if she ends up just focusing on the DMR, maybe you could make a case for that. But outside of that, everybody else, this is this is their best event, pretty much. Yeah, and that's kind of how it is for the men too. Um, but yeah, just want to throw that out there because Mazda Downey does deserve credit for being an outstanding talent. Just. It's super unfortunate. She's just going to have a season where she wants something legendary and is still not going to get in. Maybe. I mean, she could. She could still get in. We don't know. But it'll, it'll be tight. We'll see. On the men's side, uh, at the Big East Championships, we saw Sean Dolan run 147 to win the 800 over Matthew Pams. Um, another strong 800 performance for Dolan. Um, we also saw Jack Urian and Reed Brown at BU throw down some clutch 354 performances. I, I I think we should stop and highlight those guys for a second, especially Yurian. We we had talked about him over the last few weeks about being just so unlucky of running insanely fast times and just not getting quite close enough to the NCAA picture and not quite getting enough credit for what type of runner he is. But this 354 lands him both of those things. Well, yeah, I mean, because what well, he qualified for the Olympic trials last spring, yep, last summer. I mean, and I'll just be honest, like there was not any reason to believe that he was as good as that one performance. I kind of thought, I'm like, okay, he's just kind of a one race wonder. Like he's been really solid, he's been really good, but there's nothing like he has nothing else on his resume to suggest that he was ever going to be that good. And then now this season, great three K times, but he can't improve at a fast enough rate to outpace the rest of the NCAA, and now finally caps it off with the 354, very much validating that he is, in fact, that good, a trials-caliber kind of talent. Um, unbelievably, a trials-caliber qualifying kind of talent is not going to have NCAA championship experience, at least not individually that I can yeah. think of or know of or remember. Um, 
so that's that's I don't know how that's going to play out for him. Um, I'll be curious to see how he handles the tactics of the the prelim races. I want to move to Reed Brown though, who also ran three fifty four. Brown has had a, a weird up and down history. A lot of sub four miles, a lot of national qualifiers, one back end all American finish, a few national meet struggles, and then last year really had a great season. Great DMR All-American, great middle pack All-American finish. 354 mile now. We really hadn't seen a lot of him until this past weekend. What are you thinking that he does at the national meet? I I, I mean, for me, it's like 50-50 on whether he qualifies for finals. Um okay. I I I if I if you had if I had to guess, I think he's like eighth place. Um and snags that last All-American finish. But, I mean, you look at the guys behind him in the performance list, I I mean, a guy like Brian Fay, who we led the show off with, split a 352. He's someone who absolutely, if he runs the mile, would be, in my mind, a lock to to take one of those spots in the final. And then you start looking down at the top of the list with Kip Sang and Nick Goose and Garcia Romo and Beatles come if he runs. There just isn't going to be a whole lot of spots available for for the uh, to come out of prelims. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, because like I, I want to trust that Reed Brown's experienced enough to do it, but I I just don't know which version of him we will see. I'm led to mm-hmm. believe after 354 that's going to be the same Reed Brown from last year, but we just we just don't know. Um, so we'll we'll figure that part out. But um, all right, uh, what were the last few performances we had on our plate? Yeah, let's wrap it up with Nico Young running a converted 741, probably one of the least surprising results, even though insanely impressive fast times. Aaron Bienefeld, though, coming out of kind of left field to run 1321, punching his ticket for NCAAs, and then Eab El Sindali running 1325 to do the same. Um, and then we also saw Christian Noble taking down two D2 records in the mile, 356, in the 3K, 750, just a few hours apart. Um, any th- quick thoughts about any of these performances? Um, Bienenfeld knew he could run sub-7, or knew he could run 13, sub-1330, did not realize he was going to run sub-1325. Mm-hmm. Um, big performance, really like him a lot at the national stage. I could see him placing like 5th. Yep. which I think is like where he's right. He, I could be wrong. It is, um, yep. And then Ihab El-Sandali had probably the most single-clutch performance of the weekend. If he doesn't run that time, he's not. Prob- he's probably not making it to the national meet, um, which is so clutch. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he just refuses to go away. He's like always that guy on the fringe of All-American and national qualifying, always finds a way to be nationally relevant. He, he just refuses to go away. So kudos to him. Um, and then Christian Noble, yeah, 90 minutes separated his two uh, D2 records. So that was wildly impressive. Also, yeah, Nico Young. I, we literally said this on the podcast that he was going to go to an altitude flat track <laughs> facility and run a national qualifying 3K time. I think we literally said that a week or two ago. And, and I'll, I'll take it one step further. You specifically said that. And I, I maybe was a little little questioning but you you were a hundred percent certain about this. So I'll, I'll give you your kudos there. I'll try not to let that go to my head. So thank <laughs> you, Ben. I appreciate it. Um, ben, anything else that you wanted to chat about? No, we are not inflating your ego anymore. We're gonna wrap it right <laughs> there. Um, but like we mentioned um, a few times, check out Garrett's uh, scratch uh, predictions uh, before the entries come out, and we probably have a ton of content coming up before NCAAs that Garrett will tell you all about. Yeah, so we've got uh, scratch uh, predictions. I know D2 are probably going to get that out, hopefully in time, before the actual entries were released. We'll then also do some um, entry reactions as well. Um, Still debating on how we want to approach rankings. We're not sure if we're going to do rankings uh, before the national meet or after the national meet, but I think our plan right now is to do previews for d1 d2 d3 um i'm not i'm not going to guarantee what all those previews are going to be like but i can tell you that they're most likely going to be extremely um extensive and that every entry uh could could keyword be could (laughs) 
be covered. Um, so that we're looking to do something fairly extensive now that we have, um, you know, a, a fairly good infrastructure under us this uh, this time around. So we'll do that, and of course, then we'll react to it um, as everything unfolds. We'll get full predictions on the site later next week. Um, so it's it's going to be a thrill. I mean, there's some really good content already coming out on the site. Um, some stuff I'm really proud of. I think there's even some like a transfer like that we're probably going to throw in there just to give us ourselves like a, a bit of a day of rest. But yeah, we've got a lot going on and uh, it's it's just never ending content. The machine keeps going, man. Yeah, and with NCAAs on, uh, on their horizon, it's not letting up anytime soon. So I'm looking forward to not only reading all that, but then watching all the races and seeing what everybody got right or wrong in their predictions. Uh, always fun to do that. But Garrett, until next week, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.